0: Welcome to Behind the Data, the podcast that takes you inside the world of market research and breaks down the topics we love to nerd out on. I'm joined today by Pavel Marceau, who researches households here at Euromonitor. Lately, we've been looking ahead and discussing what the future might look like for consumers, even the meals we eat. So today, we're taking a look at the future of the home. Pavel, welcome to the show.
1: Hi, Sarah. Hello everyone.
0: So, Pavel, household or home, it's kind of a broad or a vague term, right? I mean, we're not just talking about a physical house, but the people in it and how that's shifting. Am I I getting this right? Are we on on the right track?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're essentially talking about culture, society, family, um, pretty much the whole impact. When we're talking about the household, uh, we're really talking about not the physical um, side of it, although we you know, we also of course, uh, that's part of our analysis, we're talking about the culture, the society, um, the inhabitants in the house, what they own, what they buy, their consumption habits. So the household is another byword for the culture as a whole because what happens in the home tends to have a ripple effect across the entire market, the entire culture and the country. Um, and the way that the family within the home shifts and the way a family changes, evolves, Is disrupted that impacts of course the physical side of the house uh, whether the house becomes smaller bigger more uh, technologically advanced and the ripple effect outside the home so retailers cars traffic pollution consumption all those things kind of basically come back to the household and therefore for us the analysis of the household is the root of cultural evolution, um, which is shifting rapidly at the moment. I mean, I don't think people really truly understand the massive global shifts that the world is experiencing right now in terms of culture.
0: So is household code word for just anything and everything? I mean, it sounds like you research every single thing in our lives.
1: Well, I mean, think about like this. What don't you do at home? Right, You do everything at home, you eat at home, you shop at home, you work at home, you tend to your family at home, you clean at home, you do everything in the home. Um, And you uh, embrace your household lifestyle in a way that kind of defines you as a person, as a consumer, as a family member. So the home is essentially the root of your lifestyle and I mean most people, even if they work, they do spend the majority of time in the home, so what happens in the home is extremely, extremely important for us.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, You started mentioning a few trends and how rapidly they're changing. So let's jump into that a little more. You know, what kinds of trends do you look at or what trends are you seeing now that are really standing out as you're researching the home?
1: So I'd like to break it down in six different trends that we're really seeing uh, magnified in recent years. The first one is fewer children per home. So, this is essentially the impact of generally people having fewer children, and as a result, we're seeing declining fertility rates, more couples choose not to have children at all. Um, as elderly people live longer, um, they spend more of their life without children, um, and of course, the growing cost of childcare, education, etc., are all factors that are creating this effect of fewer children. Um, the second Impact is the rise of singleton homes. So it's a kind of a byproduct of people deciding not to have children, people also deciding to live by themselves, whether it's a conscious decision to not get married, not to live with a partner, or whether it's a result of, for example, an elderly person whose wife uh, maybe passed away or they got a divorce. And as people live longer, they find themselves living longer by themselves. So what we're seeing is a massive, massive surge in households made up of one person interesting yeah yeah and I mean I'm sure you have you know relatives maybe grandparents who live by themselves maybe uncles
0: or myself or yourself <laughs> and sound producer Pete over here we, we both are in singleton households so this trend is speaking to us
1: <laughs> there you go say so, out uh, three people here two people living by themselves and I would say if I looked at my uh, the demographics of my friends and my kind of fr- social circle I would say probably more than half are people living by themselves without kids past uh i mean i'm 36 so they're around my age and they have kids and they're living by themselves and that's almost the overriding trend for the millennial generation going forward
0: well i guess we we fit right in pete and i
1: <laughs> yeah yeah and i mean you 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 actually fit in terms of your profile as well because this is a trend that's especially strong in advanced markets so u.s western europe japan why? Um, first of all, it's the evolution of uh, consumption, so for example, and incomes. So the more you earn, the, generally speaking, the more society advances economically, the more people have freedom and uh, decision-making in terms of their lifestyle. So you can choose not to have kids, right? You can choose to live by yourself. Whereas if you come, for example, if you're in India right now and you're from a low-income family or even a middle-income family, which is still very low-income by global standards, You don't have that choice usually, you know, because you're going to have to live in your family home for a long, long time until you can afford to move out.
0: So are the trends you're seeing mostly in advanced or Western markets or do they vary? And I know we haven't even gotten to your other four trends, so we will go back to to the listing categories. But as you're going through them, do they vary in geography?
1: Yeah, yeah, they vary massively. I mean, these are trends, uh, what I would call as global trends. But you really have to analyze them when when you're talking about a specific market on a case by case level, because these trends differ in their um, strength depending depending on the on the country in question um, so my next trend for example is, is is a really good example of that so the idea of fluid marriage um, and what that means essentially is the idea that couples don't really view marriage as a necessity any longer. many couples are happy to cohabit. Um, and at the same time, divorce is seen, especially in Western culture, as a much more uh, of a big deal, essentially. You know, people getting divorced all the time. Uh, whereas if you're talking about cultures that are kind of in more emerging markets, maybe where the culture is more conservative, like, for example, in uh, Middle Eastern countries, divorce is still a big deal. So you, you have these kind of cultural differences in the approach to uh, cultural norms. I see. And the uh, fourth, fourth, fifth, and sixth trends—I um, would call them—they're very tied together and they're very self-explanatory. Uh, so, first of all, you see a decline of multi-generational families, and what we mean by that is people essentially living with their extended family members. So, before maybe fifty years ago, you know, big families would live together. So, kids would live with their parents well into adulthood. Parents would live with their grandparents. Either they would bring them in when they uh, when they uh, when they would age, or they would just live together. That's really dying out because you know people have more incomes and they're able to move out early and live by themselves. Um, Another impact of that to a degree is urbanization. Uh, This kind of sprawling impact of urbanization in cities all across the world and what that's creating is driving up real estate prices, creating more multicultural values, new urban uh, lifestyles and a different global outlook. And also tied to that finally is the process of aging. Because this process of urbanization is creating better healthcare, better education, um, online access to various goods and services, people are able to live longer. And uh, what you're seeing is more elderly people as a proportion of household heads, generally
0: speaking. Does that also tie back to your your singleton trend, the living longer and maybe being on your own for longer than you expected?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you look at uh, advanced economies, the the majority of singleton households are the elderly. So, for example, in the UK, I believe it's something like 70% of singleton households are the elderly. Wow. Yeah, and that creates other cultural problems such as isolation, um, you know, which isn't cool, right? If you're by yourself at home, um, you need some assistance. And what we're seeing, unfortunately, is family members becoming more independent and not really taking care of their uh, elderly uh, relatives as much as they used to partly because you know people more mobile they move away further from each other they move away to different countries so there isn't that ability and that former cultural closeness that countries used to see so the problem that is what do you do for the elderly singletons who need medical care they need some kind of access um they need some kind of all-round general daily guidance you know whether it's to go somewhere to try to travel just to walk sometimes in terms of just having access to mobility equipment.
0: Did my mom ask you to to bring up that trend? <laughs> did she Did she give you a quick call behind the scenes to guilt trip me into moving closer to home?
1: I think you know what you're going to have to give her for Christmas now, <laughs> for, the, for the elderly, so to speak. And they're actually, if
0: she can learn how to use it, I would be happy to.
1: <laughs> you know, they're, they're very simple. Though. Some of the products we analyzed recently are things such as help buttons. So these are little, um, little gadgets that you put on the wall, uh, kind of with sticky tape. And you put them all around the house and they're emergency help buttons. So the idea being is that if an elderly person fell somewhere in the house, they'd be able to, within fairly short reach, press one of these buttons and, you know, the buttons would alert either next of kin or emergency services.
0: Yeah, thankfully, she's not in that position yet, but I feel like she's making a mental note as she listens to this podcast. Um, So I think it's really helpful. You kind of brought up a couple of comparisons, you know, like 50 years ago, this happened versus today. So let's maybe take a step back and kind of compare the homes of the past uh, to where we are now. You know, what did the family 20 or even 30 years ago look like? And how does that differ from modern day households? Yeah,
1: absolutely. Well, let me throw some facts at you.
0: Please do.
1: Absolutely. This fact time. It's the science bit.
0: I love it. It's like the lightning round. It feels like a game show. <laughs> Fact.
1: <laughs> so these are some of the basic uh, stats over the last 30 years. So think about this. So, for example, the proportion of household heads and what we mean by household heads is kind of the head of the family, the person bringing the money, whether male or female, doesn't matter. The person bringing the money into the household. The proportion of these household heads, age 60, has risen from around the fifth to well Over, well, not well, roughly two thirds of all households. So that's a 10 percentage point rise in household heads aged 60 plus. That doesn't seem like a lot, maybe, but actually, in real terms, that is a huge, huge increase. In just 20 to 30 years, that's a big increase. Um, Another major kind of statistic that you can look at is that from 2000 to 2030, so kind of in the process of the current 20 years, 30 year span. The number of single person households will increase by over 125%. Now, that is a massive increase.
0: Yeah, we're taking over.
1: Absolutely, yeah. And brands have got to catch up actually because brands are being very slow in reacting to this because they don't really know how to handle it because they're not sure what this means for them. You know, okay, more single person house, okay, so they're scrambling. You know, they're trying to figure out what's happening. How do we, how do we, um, uh, how do we accommodate this trend? And we can talk about that later. Some of the things that brands and companies are doing. Um, another big fact: over the kind of twenty, uh, the two thousand twenty thirty time span, divorces will have expanded by almost eighty percent. Wow. Yeah, I mean, huge again, huge rise. Um, by twenty thirty, there'll only be one children per household on average globally. Think about that: only one child per household. Um, that's a that's a that's a low number considering. Uh, that the majority of the population is actually located in emerging markets where the average number of children is two to three. That's a a low number.
0: This is in all markets, advanced markets and emerging?
1: Yep, it's global, global. Wow. Uh, For example, in China alone, homes without children will number to around 400 million by 2030. So in China, there will be 400 million households without children.
0: That's interesting because I've heard a lot of statistics, you know, talking about one child per household being lifted has impacted, you know, the economy or increased population. So it's so interesting that even without government intervention, that number kind of might decrease on its own.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's almost they're too late in turning back the clock, right? Because they've had that policy for decades and now they're quickly trying to reverse it. But it's almost too late because the culture of one child per family has become so widespread that it's almost difficult for people to get out of that mindset and have extra children. It's very interesting cultural phenomenon. Yeah but what we're talking about I mean we're talking about fewer children and your instant reaction might be oh that means you know uh, increase in uh, child-based markets such as you know toys, games, uh, education, clothes. Not at all, actually. The interesting thing is not at all. So although the number of children per household globally is declining, segments such as toys and games, children's clothes are actually expanding in size.
0: Why do you think that is?
1: I think a large uh, reason is the maturity of the emerging markets. So as these economies expand and as households become wealthier and as the middle classes expand, there is greater demand to buy stuff for your kids. It's as simple as that, you know, Um, for example, Mothercare, it's a popular European chain um, for children products. They've expanded to kind of uh, emerging markets, they're kind of middle to upper level um, children's uh, chain and they're growing rapidly, you know, they're doing really well because what you're seeing is that as these incomes increase, parents are willing to spend more, they want to buy more expensive toys. They want to buy uh, branded clothing for their kids. They want to buy kind of branded uh, baby products. So you see an actual explosion in this market as opposed to a contraction, as you might expect.
0: So even though the number of children might be decreasing, the volume of what we buy per child increases. So in theory, the amount of stuff getting consumed stays the same?
1: Uh, More than the same. It's expanding. Oh, wow. From 2012 to 2022, the global toys and games market will expand by around 70%.
0: Well, in fairness, there's a lot of nerdy men collecting action figures, so that that could be addressing the adult population, right?
1: (laughs) I I blame lol dolls. I think the lol dolls, the (laughs) single-handling, must account for at least half of that growth.
0: Oh, geez. So, yeah, this is super fascinating. Let's keep talking about, I guess, what we might consider cultural trends or people-focused trends, but... What does that mean for businesses and sort of how will these trends impact households? Can you keep sharing different, you know, kind of cause and effect examples?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, there are so many impacts that it's almost universal across all companies. So I'll give you a simple one. So as we were talking about before, the rise in single person households, you being yourself one such household Hey, I, I'm not I'm not, you know, no, no insult. <laughs> in fact, I envy you with my two kids. I, I, I find I find your lifestyle really um, appealing. Um, for example, so you you don't necessarily need at home, you don't need a full size washing machine, right? Correct. You don't need a coffee machine that, you know, will give multiple family servings.
0: Well, that's debatable. You've you've never seen me drink coffee in the morning. But I get where you're going. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, ge- the general trend is that the smaller the household, the smaller the need. But the market is very, very poor in addressing that. I mean, when you go to your local appliance store, how many single uh, serving coffee machines? I mean, it's maybe a bad example because, you know, there's lots of coffee machines. But maybe, for example, how many mini dishwashers do
0: you see? No, that's true. It's definitely not many. They're all full to mid-size.
1: Exactly, same with washing machines, same with uh, other appliances. So what, what we're seeing now is various uh, manufacturers developing these kind of products. For example, there was a, a fairly uh, notable product launched, I think it was last year, it was a mobile dishwasher. So it's a mobile, it's, it's basically a dishwasher the size of a small microwave that you can put on your tabletop And you can put in maybe five plates and maybe four glasses into it and it's a dishwasher for basically the single household needs so you know maybe three four plates a day three four glasses a day as opposed to family size which is by the way like really wasteful when you think about it so there's an ecological aspect to it as well why should you use a full cycle of a dishwasher when you only need to use it for maybe a couple of plates so that's one element the other element for example is Ikea and other furniture brands they're developing products suited for the single person household again um the correlation being that this well the assumption is that a single person household will be fairly small right you're not going to be living by yourself in a three bedroom villa unlikely
0: maybe one day you never know one can dream
1: so most likely you'll be living maybe in a one bedroom, two bedroom apartment. So your, your space is fairly limited. So you're gonna want flat pack furniture, you're gonna want foldable sports equipment, you're gonna want foldable bikes, so anything that can save you in space. And of course, yeah, sure, this applies to families as well, but it's much more likely that a single person will be living in a really small apartment than for example, a family with two kids. So the markets are responding very slowly the only problem is these products typically have a premium on them, which is kind of unfair. You're putting a premium on something that should be fairly standard, but in fact, what you're saying is this is not our regular brand type, so therefore we're going to put a premium and make it more expensive. but I think what we what we'll see is in the next four, five, six years, these products to become more regular, more normal, and the premium will gradually disappear.
0: do you think that premium strategy is paying off? you know are are these companies seeing? the return? Or is there maybe some pushback because it's only one income per household? You know, there there's not that joint income possibility.
1: Well, absolutely. So, and you make a really, really good point in that there are lots of challenges for single person household in terms of income, because you have to pay for your, for your house costs, utilities, you have to pay, you know, tax, uh, all the various uh, things you kind of have to pay on a monthly, in your monthly bill package. Um, you're uh, responsible for that by yourself
0: yeah don't i know it
1: yeah exactly um <laughs> and that's that's a problem that's a problem um yeah and I mean people might say you know but you don't have the cost of your children uh their education kind of family uh, flights family travel yeah but still actually if you look at the big picture statistics show that single person households have a much um much smaller purchasing power than the family so um brands are still making that mistake I believe they're still pricing pricing single person goods uh, out of the reach of single persons you know when you have a niche for any product that niche begins very expensive and as it kind of develops and grows and more people start to buy and expands the niche becomes much better priced so I think we'll see that going forward
0: When you're looking at these different trends or seeing different product offerings, you know, are there any things that surprise you or anything that stood out in your research?
1: Yeah. um, Interesting. Interesting uh, element is the element of tech. So tech is, I mean, we all know this, but tech is playing a massive, massive role in our life, but tech is having a real social impact and it's going to be more important going forward. Um, Now, you know, Millennials, such as yourself, um, and young professionals, they're fairly independent, they're mobile, you know, they don't need that much help. However, what we're seeing, and I touched on this earlier, we're seeing a huge singleton elderly population. And somewhere where this is a major, major problem is Japan. Japan has a huge population and the majority of its population is over 60 years old. And a lot of these 60 year olds are by themselves at home. And Japan is really struggling to cope. It's struggling to provide enough healthcare, enough nurses, enough doctors. It doesn't even have the manpower to visit these elderly people in the home. So what they've started to develop are—and this might sound a bit you know, sci-fi, but stay with me—they've uh, started to develop robots.
0: I knew that's where this was going. Robots is always the answer.
1: <laughs> and, and this is—and this is an actual country national policy of robots this isn't like some kind of startup that's creating these funky no no, no this is an actual investment in the future where they believe they are they can develop care robots in the home that will help elderly people just pretty much live day to day i mean one of this one of these robots is called robear so like robot bear it actually looks like a bear wow yeah yeah and this robot is essentially an assistance robot um the idea being it's a gentle bear that is also strong enough to lift an elderly person um, and this robot can help elderly people sit up stand up or sit down stand up um, it can bring things it can eventually they're hoping that it can even perform basic tasks like cleaning washing up uh, maybe even taking a dog, dog out for a walk so the prospects are really really impressive and a country like Japan which is one of the biggest economies in the world are putting Major, major investments into this, and in a way they're ahead of the curve because all pretty much almost all Western economies are going in the same direction, meaning a much larger share of single person households, a huge 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 proportion of elderly people living by themselves, and they will all eventually face the same problems.
0: What does the cost for something like this look like? Is it affordable for the everyday person when you say investment? does that cover the cost you know how How does this impact? these these elderly singletons
1: well in japan it's a it's like a social policy so it's not something that they would expect other people to people to go out and buy it's more a case of they will be subsidized most likely they will be given these robots to help out in the home and actually the idea behind this being that the robot even though i mean it's fairly expensive you know this robot in its prototype form costs you know probably close to ten thousand dollars to build wow yeah, I mean, but with time, they're expected to, you know, lower the costs, but still even even say you pay $10,000 for the robot, that's actually in the long term cheaper than having a nurse or a doctor do constant inpatient uh, or outpatient home visits, you know, over the long term, that's still more expensive for the government. So building these robots is actually cheaper than having to provide the necessary health care for all of these households.
0: Yeah, that's a really good point. Are there any other kind of trends or or fun facts or or geographic disparities that that stand out to you? Um,
1: Another interesting one is divorce. Uh, I guess quite a sad topic in a way, but it's a realistic one. It is happening. People are divorcing much faster. There are numerous reasons for that. Um, We don't need to go into them, but it's happening and it's increasing. Um, And Divorce in itself, as we all know, is, you know, it can be a really messy process. Uh, we always hear about you know big celebrity divorces where you know they're fighting out in the courtroom. Um, and what you see now are actually businesses who are essentially making a profit from this. So, for example, uh, a quite popular one is WeVorse. and WeVorse is a fast-tracking divorce uh, app program with an archetype algorithm. And what it does actually is a kind of Makes the divorce process super logical, super rational. It takes out the whole emotional thing out of it. Um, it was actually developed by former family t- attorney Michelle Crosby in the U.S. Um, it's raised a bunch of a bunch of money, several million dollars. And what it does is essentially it streamlines the whole process. So in terms of you know the uh, splitting up the finances, uh, the whole legal process. Essentially, I guess it would be like an Uber for divorce, which is, you know, everything is an Uber for something these days. But this would be an Uber for divorce.
0: Interesting.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The I mean, the, the market is huge. So, for example, the world's total divorce population will reach 228 million by 2030. That's a big market.
0: Yeah, I mean, it sounds like this whole thing is just so fascinating to me because I feel like when we think of technology and robots, you know, the joke is, you know, no emotion or, um, you know, void of any feelings. No. Well, now there's learning capabilities. But, you know, years ago, we would have joked that it's flat and there's no learning. But in a way, it's like... uh, these it's sort of really helpful. And it's addressing these very emotional kind of life stages, whether it's growing old, being away from your family, divorce. And so this is so interesting. It's like you're marrying very emotional uh, life moments and milestones with very kind of cold, uh, neutral, I guess, you know, and kind of flat technology to to address that need
1: yeah absolutely and um but the but the the culture is still very very slow to shift actually because so on one hand you see seeing these incredible uh, pro, 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 this incredible progress in tech but on the other hand actually the stereotypes in our culture and society are very slow to catch up so there in many cultures when it comes to marketing advertising um selling goods to people there is still this kind of weird 2.4 children archetype you know the, the nuclear family uh, and you have these like ideal family homes where you know on based on typical gender um, associations whether where, whereas in reality that's not at all true i mean especially in the west you see the idea of tag team parenting which is the term for you know where the mother and the father both have a strong strong role to play in 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 just basic family chores um and your, your, I mean, brands have been very slow to adopt to that, partly because the global landscape is so different, right? I mean, what could be dark type nuclear family in the U.S. is very, very different from that same family in China. Um, so it's almost very difficult to create a global vision for a company.
0: So then in terms of kind of brands and companies, you know, who wins and who comes out ahead? Is it about breaking from the cultural norms and getting ahead of the curve and serving that population now? Or should brands kind of stick around and wait until there's a bigger need? And then the market is just so saturated that they can only make money?
1: Well, the brands, first of all, brands have got to avoid stereotypes. I mean, it's fairly obvious at this point, because there is no real um, kind of standard fit for an advertising model these days. Families are so different. So you can't really put people into boxes as much as, as, as you, know, you could before, where it was very, very traditional. Um, so I, I think what, what, what brands have to do is understand the long-term trend. And this trend has been happening for 20, 30 years. I am we're not talking about something that changes in a year. No, we're talking about trends that companies must understand. And some of the basics, I mean, you know, the kids' segments are still attractive. So even though the number of children per household is declining, children are still a huge market for clothes, toys, then brands must have regional understanding. So, for example, Europe is the kind of global leader in single person households, so countries like Germany are actually global leaders per se. Uh, They have the fewest number of children per household and the highest proportion of uh, single person households. That that's you know you 've got to look at the regional aspects as well. there are massive massive opportunities in tech and appliances to serve these new, um, these new demographic trends and as we said before, robotics is an obvious solution going forward for helping the elderly as well as kind of smarter healthcare planning over the long term so I mean in a way, I would say governments and some many are governments already have to be looking twenty years ahead you know they can 't be thinking about this. Now, they need to be planning for, for long, you know, they, they should have started planning for this long time ago, planning for 15, 20 years ahead, unless, unless there'll be a crisis if they don't do that. It's, it's as serious as that.
0: I don't know if we're going to be able to top bear robots caring for the elderly, but before we wrap up, I like to ask everyone, what is the weirdest thing you've ever researched or the weirdest thing you've come across in your research?
1: one of the weirdest things I uh, I saw was a smart oven which is actually ironically aimed at millennial single-person households and this was an oven that cooks itself uh, meaning you program so for example you have a you know salmon you want to cook a salmon you put it in you choose the option as a salmon um, and it will do the rest for you so you choose whether you want it to be baked uh, fried etc and it automatically well in theory cooks the perfect salmon right
0: yeah that doesn't sound weird that sounds like my dream come true
1: (laughs) doesn't sound weird aside from the fact that it costs three thousand dollars
0: oh womp womp womp
1: so you know i mean you're aiming a product at millennials and millennials are already known to be fairly you know fairly money conscious because you know not many have got that much money most people living by themselves um and you're marketing product for three thousand dollars, that yeah, I mean it's useful, but are you gonna go and spend that much money on it? No, I mean you're just not.
0: No way. That Caribbean vacation isn't gonna pay for itself. I don't have time for a fancy oven.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, that's the point. I mean, who will especially if you're a millennial and you have, you know, you wanna go on holiday, you wanna travel, you wanna go out with your buddies, you're not gonna spend that much money in an oven. I mean, come on.
0: All right. Well, Pavel, thank you so much for joining us. I feel like you've you've given me certainly a lot to think about when it comes to cultural shifts, population trends, and how that all ties back to the home and sort of what the the business opportunities are as as the world population, you know, continues to evolve.
1: Yeah, my pleasure. We're in for some very interesting times ahead
0: we might have you back to evaluate, you know, what's going on, maybe in another five to 10 years, we'll do a a follow up episode with you.
1: Yeah, I'll come back. I'll come back in the apocalypse. I promise.
0: (laughs) And thank you for tuning in to this episode of Behind the Data. We hope you're as curious as we are. And we'll continue to listen as we dissect data, research and everything in between.